so we've been in this series uh, since the beginning of the year. We've been talking about our core values as a church, uh, pray, give, invite, mentor, and serve. And uh, we're wrapping this up today, and I'm, I'm talking about uh, the core value of service and servanthood and, and what does that uh, look like. And uh, I wanted a couple of amazing uh, servants in our church. We have, we have so many folks that serve and so many amazing servants in our church uh, but I wanted to just bring a couple up uh, to give you a chance to hear uh, from them. Adana Fluellen and Scott McCann are going to come up. Would you welcome them up to the platform? So first of all, just thank you guys for doing this. Uh, and I know that both of you have tend to have responsibilities during some of the services. So whoever it was that got things covered for you, thank you to them so that you could be here. This is really cool. Uh, so uh, Donna, you work with the Resource uh, Center. And Scott, you work with Fairfax Kids. Sixth graders, right? Sixth graders. And there is someone with your group right now as we speak? Hopefully. Hopefully there's someone there. <laughs> right. All right. So both of those are, and the reason I, I thought it would be cool to hear from you. Both of those are kind of behind the scenes in some respects. A lot of times people don't see all the things that are going on. But talk a little bit about, first of all, um, how you got involved in this. And I know that each of you have kind of a unique story of how God worked in your life to get you involved in what even that you're doing in the way that you're serving. So Donna? So um, in 2019, I retired to care for my husband who was ill. And then three months later, he passed away. So, and then COVID. So here I am, I had such a very full life being a 24 seven caregiver. And then I had really not much to do. Right. And so I was at lunch with my college age son, who's very wise. And he's like, mom, you need to find something, something. He said, you know, you always feel better when you do things for people. He said, find something. So I pretty quickly went and started working at a food pantry. And it was great, and it was actually very fulfilling until my real calling came, and when you made the announcement about the Resource Center, I knew. I mean, I felt like, oh, thanks God, he just like handed that on my lap. Uh, and I literally went out to the parking lot and sent an email before I even left the parking lot and said, I, I'm in, I wanna, I wanna do this. Wow, That's, you that felt like cool. the gifts and passions that you have really aligned with that Absolutely, and yeah. then especially that experience at the food pantry, because while we're not a food pantry, a lot of those skills translate to yeah, what we do. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And Scott, how about you? How did you get involved with sixth grade, sixth grade kids at Fairfax Church? Yeah, so um, I moved into the area into Virginia in 2018 in October, um, and I found myself looking around for churches. I settled on one for a little while, but it didn't uh, there weren't any young adults groups, and I wanted to uh, find someone, some people my age, to kind of grow with and just get to know, fellowship with. Um, so I Google searched, and I found Transit. It was one of the first uh, uh, results on, on Google. Uh, so I clicked on it, and I found this church, and I started attending this church. Uh, I joined a small group, and about two weeks in, I was called out uh, for work um, for a five-week uh, work trip out in Utah. And I felt kind of disappointed about that, like I didn't get my chance to meet anybody at the time. Um, but while I was out there, I was feeling a little discouraged about that. And uh, the previous kids ministry leader, uh, she reached out and she said, hey, uh, I found your name on this list of new transit members. Uh, we w wanted to know if you were willing to volunteer with the kids on Sundays. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I, can, I might be able to meet somebody. So I started volunteering back in uh, November of 2019. Uh, right before COVID hit, and then I've been doing it ever since. 
Yeah, you are a hero to those kids, by the way. They love having you in that role. So um, I know that one of the things that happens that sometimes we don't talk about, we talk about serving and uh, using our gifts and talents and passion abilities, but there's a byproduct that happens with that. And that's oftentimes some of our deepest relationships can even come out of that and community can come out of that or family can come out of that. And so talk a little bit about how you've experienced community through serving. Well, it, it's very cool because, you know, you said family because you know that's where I was going with that. People come into the Resource Center for all different reasons, community service hours, um, just to kind of see what it's like or to work with their kids, alongside their kids. So they come in for that reason, but then they stay because they see we have something really special. We're a family. We have become a family. We kind of do life together with each other. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing, which is great because then that's more and more work and more and more people we can serve. Yeah. And this group, you've gone through a lot with this group, Yes, right? we've gone. Well, we've gone through some great celebrations and we lost one of our, a member of our family and we've grieved together. Um, we have another member of our family who's gravely ill and we support and love each other. We really have become a family yeah. and that serves together. The family that serves together sort of stays together, yeah, right? Yeah, and we yeah. really have sort of embraced that bit of community. And I didn't know that going in. I was looking for a purpose for me. Huh. Um, and, and I think other people were looking for different things, but then it was just laid to us. It was such a blessing. Yeah, and Scott, you've gotten connected to some folks through serving uh, as well. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, kind of similar to Donya here. Um, I, uh, I joined, again, because I wanted to seek out community. That was one of the main reasons I joined the church and service in the first place. Uh, but then COVID struck, and we were all confined to our homes for a few months. But uh, when, it when the church reopened back up, uh, the same director was like, hey, we really need volunteers. We're reopening the church. Can you help out? Um, so I was like, yeah, absolutely. And it was only me and a few other people at the time. Um, and over time, me and a couple of the people that were serving there, uh, we really started to bond, and we eventually joined a small group together. Um, and then huh. that small group kept building, and then more people joined serving in that small group. And it was just kind of this domino effect where people would join the small group, and then people would start serving in the kids' ministry in particular. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool. And, and just like Donna said, I mean, it's really a family, this small group that we've put together. Um, and a lot of that is due to the service and ministry. Yeah, you know, those stories get repeated over and over and over. I hear them all the time of folks that, you know, one of the things that we work really hard at is, is trying to make um, everyone who's involved in service a part of a team of some sort, a family of some sort, a community of some sort, and, and that that's the byproduct that oftentimes you don't realize, like you don't even necessarily go into it for that, but some of your deepest relationships come by serving alongside uh, other folks, yeah. So Scott, in, in terms of just, uh, I know that you did this to pour into others, but God I know has poured into you through all of this. Talk a little bit about just what it's meant for you in terms of serving. Well, I serve with the sixth graders, and as those of you who have either had sixth graders or have them right now, uh, they're kind of challenging in a way. Um, <laughs> And I only get them. That for was the nicest way I've ever nice, heard very nice, anyone yeah. say that. And I only That's get so them cool. for, you know, 45 minutes out of the week. But, uh, and I, I love every minute of it. Um, but uh, they, they offer up some challenging questions. You know, they, they, uh, they're at the age where they're starting to uh, begin to wonder about themselves, about the world, about their faith. And 
um, that provides me a challenge and an opportunity to pour into their lives and then back into mine to further challenge me. And yeah. Like that domino effect I talked about. What I think is pretty cool about your story too is that you, you got your degree in physics, right, initially, and then, and then you did an apologetics uh, degree and so I just love the fact that we have a graduate with apologetics degree that's pouring into sixth graders here at the church. Is that not an amazing thing? And um, because like you say, uh, some of the questions that are coming out of kids that age are really profound questions that really do take some thinking through uh, all of that. So it's just really cool that God has positioned you in that role. Donna, how about you? Just how has God poured into your life through this? The, the friendships that, you know, I went in there a little lost um, and I came out just feeling so bonded and such a, like I have support. I'm not, and I have a wonderful large family that love me and support me, but they each have their own lives. And I just feel that God's really like filled my cup. And so you know how they say your cup is pouring over? That's what I feel like from being a part of this resource center. And I'm able to use my, my skills sort of gifts. I don't like to be in front of the scenes. I prefer to be behind the scenes. But I am a bit of a leader, I'll say. Yeah. And, and I have taken a bit of a leadership role in there. And it's been good for me. It's been good for me. So I have a purpose. I have a value. And I have people who love me. Yeah. And, and I love them too. And, and it's just a great place to be. God really put me there. I have no doubt, no question that God put me in the resource center. And that, that's not even to mention the good work yeah, that yeah. the resource center does. Yeah, yeah. Well, Donna and Scott, thank you so much for what you do uh, at the church, the way that you use your gifts and talents to serve others. It's just amazing. Thank you for doing this. Would you show your appreciation you. to Donna and to Scott? So lots of opportunities to serve at Fairfax, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a little more about that in a moment. But uh, lots of ways to get involved. It's a huge, it's a huge value for us as a church. We really feel like that is a huge part of what God has called us to. Um, I think maybe one of the best texts that is in Scripture talking about service and talking about servanthood and talking about like what does that mean is actually found in Mark 10. And let me just give you a little context. Jesus has just finished up. If you read, before you get to this passage, if you read like the things that Jesus is saying prior to that, is that he's talking about some heavy stuff. He's talking about how he's gonna be betrayed, how he's gonna be mocked, how he's gonna be spit on, how he's gonna be flogged, how he's gonna be put to death, and then how three days later he's gonna rise from the grave. Just amazing, amazing stuff. And then, in what has to be the most tone-deaf response ever in the history of the world. Two of the disciples, James and John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, and, and, and I don't know, well, I won't say, I don't know if this is like part of being a sons of thunder or just part of being stupid. I don't know, but anyway, they, they come to Jesus after he's just laid out everything that he's going to do, and they come up to Jesus, and basically they say, Okay, Jesus, uh, we heard what you just said, and after this whole suffering thing is over, after this whole death thing is over, after all this resurrection stuff is done, all of that, and your administration is fully in power, can we be your top two guys? 
Like, can we be your top two guys in the administration? Like, you can run things, that's fine. You can be on the point, but we wanna be right there running it with you. We wanna be in power too. We want people to serve us. And this is actually how the conversation then goes. Like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, if someone said, this is like a conversation someone had, you said, no one would ever say that. Yeah, this is what they said, and this is how the conversation goes. Then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Like, like, that's a pretty self-serving, self-absorbed relationship to have with Jesus. Like, Jesus, we just want you to do whatever it is that we ask you to do. And Jesus is really actually, initially, really kind in his response. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, well, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other one at your left hand in glory. And Jesus says, you don't have any idea what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they said, in maybe the most naive statement in the history of the world, we can. And Jesus answered them and he said, well, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the 10, now the other disciples are here listening to all of this. And so it says, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. How dare you guys like try to get that position with Jesus? And Jesus called them all together and said, you know what those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, you know that they lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. You are called to be different kinds of leaders. You're called to be a very, very different kind of leader. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus' response to James and John, all the things that he says, ultimately, it's all summed up in that last verse, in verse 10, where Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, the Greek word that's translated ransom there is lutron. And lutron has its origins actually rooted in like the military, in the battlefield. The lutron, the ransom, was the price that had to be paid uh, to bring a prisoner of war back out of captivity, back out of slavery. Remember, in that day, there were no POW camps that you didn't, you didn't uh, become a prisoner of war and then go into a POW camp. If you were a soldier who was taken captive, you were made a slave. You were put in bondage. Your life was a life of being enslaved to others. And the only way that you could get out of that bondage, the only way that you could get out of that slavery is if your country paid an enormous ransom 
to set you free. And Jesus says, that's what I've done for you. So as you're thinking about this whole thing and the kingdom and how the kingdom works and who does what and what we're called to, that's what I've done for you. I have ransomed you. I have set you free from the things that enslave you. Now, that raises the question, of course, what is it that enslaves us? Well, the Bible says there's lots of things that can enslave us, but at the core of all those things, at the core of our slavery, at the core of our bondage, is that we become slaves to self. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, that in this age, people will become lovers of self. They will become lovers of themselves. And he's not talking about a kind of healthy sense of self-confidence or loving yourself so that you can love others. He's talking about the bondage that comes when, with putting self at the center of your universe, of the slavery that comes from having the whole world like revolve around you, where you're at the center of everything and everything else and everyone else revolves around you, the slavery of that. So what are some of the markers of being in bondage to self? What are some of the markers of being enslaved to self, of having the whole world revolve around us? Well, there will always be this sense of entitlement because um, you become your own little God. Like when the whole universe revolves around you, you have put yourself in the position of God. And there is this sense of entitlement that arises when the whole universe revolves around you, this sense of entitlement that comes, that you will always be focused on what others can do for you. You will always feel like you don't have enough or that you aren't being treated fairly enough or that you're on the outside looking in or whatever it is. You will always be comparing yourself to others and the list just goes on and on and on and on. And Jesus says, I came and died on the cross to set you free from all of that, to set you free from yourself to set you free from being in bondage to yourself, in being enslaved by yourself. And not just you individually, but all those who follow me. I came to create this dynamic community that has this new attitude towards the world. And it's this attitude of mission and service. And, and you saw it in Donna today and in Scott today, and you see it in so many, I see it in so many folks in our church, this, this attitude, this, this attitude of mission, this attitude of service, this attitude of where is it that God can use me to make a difference in the kingdom? It's this attitude of mission and service. Paul says it this way in Titus 2. He says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people, a people, a community, a family, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, eager to serve, either to, eager to, to focus on the needs of others. Paul is saying that the cross turns us into a community of servants. It allows us to be other-centered rather than self-centered because that's what the cross was all about. It was about Jesus 
being a servant. It was about Jesus being other-centered rather than self-centered. It was about Jesus putting our needs ahead of his needs. It was about Jesus loving us and valuing us and serving us by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus came as a servant so that we could become servants, so that we could love others, so that we could value others, so that we could serve others. And that leads us to ask questions like, where, God, where is it that you need me now? Like, where can I serve now? Like, where, where, does my, where do my gifts and passions and abilities and talents, where do they intersect with opportunities and needs in the kingdom and where, where is it that you can use me to advance your kingdom? It causes us to ask a whole different set of questions. How can I use my gifts and talents and passions and abilities to, to love others? How can I use my passions and talents and gifts to advance the kingdom and to serve the church? And that leads us to the kind of things that we were talking about. That leads us to serve in the resource center. That leads us to serve uh, with sixth grade boys in kids ministry. Like that leads us to do all of that. That leads us to say, I can help. Like I can help. I can help in all kinds of ministries. Like I can help. There's something that I have to offer. And maybe there's some area of ministry at Fairfax where God is calling you to serve. For a lot of you, there are already areas that you're serving in. Maybe for others of you, like there's an area that God is calling you to serve. If so, if so, just say yes. We talk all the time about being in the yes position to God. Just say yes. Be in the yes position to God. Reach out to someone on our staff, someone that you know who's serving. Reach out to Donna. Reach out to Scott. Reach out to someone and just say, I can help. Like that's all you need to say. I can help, and, and when we say, I can help, like God will do the rest. God will take the, I can help, and do something absolutely amazing with it. Now, being a servant doesn't just cause us to be other-centered, it also causes us to be God-centered. It causes us to turn our attention Toward God, It causes us to open up to the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. It causes us to be more sensitive to the move of God's Spirit in our lives. 11 days ago, and some of you maybe have been following this on social media, a unique moving of God's Spirit began on the campus of Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. Some of you are saying, I've never heard of Wilmore, Kentucky, and there's a reason for that. Like, Wilmore, Kentucky is in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. Anderson, Indiana looks like New York City compared to Wilmington, Kentucky. Just a small little town, but this amazing, amazing university. And Asbury has its roots, um, in terms of just kind of the background of this school, has its roots in, in holiness, Wesleyan theology, much like Fairfax. And for the past 11 days... There has been this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, non-stop prayer and worship that's taking place on the campus. 
and it seems to be growing. And it, it, it started uh, a week ago Wednesday, I think that was on the 8th. It, it started a week ago Wednesday, and it just happened that uh, Don and I were with a group of pastors that pastor the largest congregations in our movement. And uh, we were there Monday through Thursday, and on Wednesday, we began to hear about what was happening at Asbury, and it, it began to change the conversation among us of like, what is it that God is uniquely doing? What is God doing in our country? What is God doing in our midst? What is God doing in our church? Like, what is God trying to do through all of this? And people are traveling to Asbury from all over the world. Uh, one of our students uh, who graduated from uh, our student ministry, Emma Booth, and her parents are part of this church. They've been part of this church for a long time. Emma actually goes to Asbury University, and uh, we've been in contact with Emma, and our student ministry have been contacting with Emma. I talked about this in the first service, and um, uh, Emma's mom and dad were in North Carolina watching this service online, and they called me up and said, I, we want you to talk to Emma and so I've been talking to Emma between the two services, just kind of finding out a little bit more about what's going on. And Emma said that tonight, they're expecting 20,000 people to show up in this little, little school in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky, 20,000 people from all over the world. And Emma said something really interesting that I didn't, I, I didn't say in the first service because you know, I hadn't talked with her about this particular thing. She said, it's really interesting what's happening with the students is that for the first several days, it was like God's Holy Spirit was just like pouring into us, pouring into us, pouring into us. And we were just getting filled and filled and filled with the Spirit of God. And one of the things that has changed over the last several days is as people have begun to come from all over the world, literally, to kind of be a part of this and to experience like the fullness of God's Holy Spirit in kind of a unique and fresh way is that so many of us that were a part of this from the beginning have now begun to serve those who are coming in. Like we're now the ones that are out, you know, in the lines, making sure that everyone knows like where to go and all of that. And I just said, Emma, that's so cool. Do you mind if I quote you on that with the congregation? She said, not at all. I said, it's so cool because that's true of every revival that has ever happened in the history of the world is that God pours in to his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see it in Acts where you see the infilling of God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But then those who have been poured into by God's Holy Spirit began to get out of the room and to serve others. That revival always begins within us, but it always moves into the world. It always moves into servanthood. It always moves outwardly. And that's what's happening at Asbury. And it's just really cool to see. And it's beginning to go to other schools and other churches and all that. Now, this is not the first time, if you know anything about Asbury University, this is not the first time this happened at Asbury. Happened a number of times over the past hundred plus years. The largest actually was in 1970. Uh, there was this unique move of God's Holy Spirit that just spread through universities and, and through churches all over the country. And what's interesting, and this is where this 
intersected with my life on a personal level. One of the churches that it spread to was South Meridian Church of God in Anderson, Indiana. And South Meridian Church was where I was the youth pastor uh, before I came to Fairfax. I've only had two jobs basically in my life. I was a youth pastor for 10 years and then I've been here for five. And um, okay, maybe more than five. And, uh, and so I, w- I came from South Meridian Church of God when I came and the revival in 1970, I, I came in 1986, but I came to the church in 1978. The revival had happened eight years earlier. And what was interesting about the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that took place at South Meridian that happened because some students from Asbury came and just shared what God was doing is that they had this 70-day uh, series of evening services that happened for 70 days where there were just an outpouring of God's spirit and people were repenting and confessing and praising God and, and people were rededicating their lives to Christ and truly experiencing revival in their hearts and people were coming to Jesus for the first time. It was just an amazing, amazing time. And even eight years later, when I showed up as the worship, or as the student pastor, not the worship pastor, oh my God, not the worship pastor, but the student pastor, as I showed up as the student pastor, you still saw the evidence of, of that 70 days in the life of the church. It was just an amazing, amazing thing. Now, there have been thousands and thousands of posts uh, about what's going on at Asbury. And one particular post that caught my attention was from a couple who were there to serve those who were working behind the scenes uh, to respond to what God was doing. And they posted it a couple of days ago when it was like at day nine in all of this. And I just wanna read you a little excerpt. It was a long post, just a little excerpt. It said, for nine straight days at two-hour increments, college students have led worship at Hughes Auditorium in Wilmore, Kentucky. That's about 100 worship teams so far. And they don't seem to be any anytime soon. The team organizing all of this needed help, and so Brenna, that's his wife, and I went to serve. And then he says something interesting. He says, the 1970 revival was centered on testimony. And that was true, and we, there were, that was true at South Marine. I heard lots of stories about that. Uh, he says, but the 2023 uh, revival is centered on worship. Ministry to Jesus through song. They are supernaturally hungry for God. This comes naturally from an outpouring of God's spirit, the gift of faith and a growing hunger with every taste of God's goodness. That that phrase just stopped me in my tracks. A growing hunger with every taste of God's goodness. You think about when you taste, it takes away the hunger, a growing hunger, with every taste of God's goodness. What will this mean for what's next? No idea. I barely can comprehend what I've experienced, he said. But this outpouring of God's spirit sort of changes everything. This emerging generation expects something. They're expecting something now. They expect heaven on earth to be the norm. They're expecting heaven on earth to be the norm. We talk all the time 
about may it be in Fairfax as it is in heaven. Like living out the prayer of Jesus that his will would be done and his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Saying that that's what this next generation is hungering for. That heaven on earth would be the norm. And then there was just, and I'll just share this one other, this is the only two posts I'm gonna share. There was another post written by an Asbury student, one of the students describing the unique traits of this, this move of God that they're witnessing there. And I saw it was interesting, five things that they identified. One, a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing protective humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. I thought, what an insight into what God is doing. Now, in one sense, what is going on at Asbury University in this little town in Kentucky is unique. It's a unique move of God within a unique community at a unique time. Um, and and we, dare not, we dare not try to copy things like that. We dare not try to manufacture out of our own strength something that is happening out of the strength of God. Like weird things happen when we try to manufacture what God <laughs> is doing. When we try to manufacture out of our own strength what God is doing out of his strength. So in a sense, it's a unique move of God within this unique community, and it's affecting so many people. But in another sense, what's happening there is not unique at all. It is the people of God loving and serving God. It is God pouring out his Holy Spirit on his people. It is God's response to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, that heaven would come to earth. What is going on at Asbury is a, it's what one of my friends called a flashpoint. It's a flashpoint. It's a glimpse. It's a breakthrough. It is a visible manifestation of what God is doing everywhere in the world. It's a glimpse of what God wants to do in Fairfax. It's a glimpse of what God wants to do in you. It's a glimpse of what God wants to do in me. It's a glimpse of what God wants to do in this community. It's a glimpse of what God wants to do in the world. It's a glimpse. It's a glimpse of what God is about the business of doing filling people with his Holy Spirit, filling them so much that there is this hunger that, that just is continuous for him, not just to be self-serving, not just to have that filled, but so that 
we may be the people of God that God has called us to be. It's interesting, um, Wednesday is our Ash Wednesday service. And you know, Ash Wednesday kicks off this, what we call this season of Lent, this, this 40 days, this 40 days that prepares us for the celebration of Easter, that prepares, it for the, prepares us for the celebration of the resurrection. And I've been praying about like, what, what is God wanting to do in these 40 days in, in my life, in your life, in, in the life of this congregation, in the life of Fairfax, in this community? Like, what is God wanting to do in these 40 days that we are right on the precipice of, of entering into? Like, what is God's agenda? And I've been praying about like, what is that? And to be honest, at this point, at this perspective, like at just the edge, just the precipice of what we're going into over these next 40 days, like at this point, I don't, I don't have any idea. But I do know what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do immeasurably more than anything that we ask or anything that we could possibly even imagine. That that's the kind of God that we serve who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, immeasurably more than we can imagine, immeasurably more that we can plan for, immeasurably more that we can organize for, immeasurably more than we could in our limiting mind could even imagine that God could do. I bear witness to that. I have seen that in my own life over and over and over again. I have seen that in this church that God is able to do so much more than we ask, so much more than we imagine. God can do so much more. So I want to just spend the rest of our time, whatever the rest of our time is today, just worshiping and just praying and just loving Jesus, just telling Jesus how much we love him and, and, and how thankful we are for who he is and what he has done for us on the cross, just worshiping him, just worshiping him, just praying for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, just praying for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in this church, just praying for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in this community. And, and I know that we don't have like a formal altar here at the church, but this is going to be this space up here up the front of the sanctuary, this is going to be our altar today. And I'm inviting you today to come to the altar, to come to the altar and pray, to come to the altar and worship, to come to the altar and sing, to come to the altar and just love God, to come to the altar and confess, to come to the altar and repent, to come to the altar and seek what God is wanting to do in your life, to come to the altar and pray that God will pour out his spirit 
on your life to come to the altar and pray that God will pour out his spirit on this church. And I know that you can make an altar where you are. You can make an altar in your seat. And that's amazing if that's what happens. But there's something about moving. There's something about getting up from where we are and moving and coming to another place. And so maybe it's just praying by yourself. Maybe it's praying with a group. Maybe it's praying with someone else. Maybe it's having a conversation with someone that you need to have a conversation, whatever it is. Like just make this an altar and let's let God just work, just work in this moment. So let's stand together. God, we, we are so thankful for the movement of your spirit and that what is going on in Wilmore, Kentucky, we know is not the full expression of your spirit, that your spirit is at work, that it has no boundaries, it can't be bound by a building, by a location, by a city, by any place, that your spirit is at work everywhere, that your spirit is at work here, that your spirit is at work in this place. And Lord, we just pray for an outpouring of your spirit as we, as we today come to the altar, as we bow before you, as we stand before you, as we raise our hands before you, as we worship you as we sing to you Lord we just pray for an outpouring of your spirit that will fill us so much that it turns us outward and allows us to live the the lives of servants that you've called us to be just fill us with your Holy Spirit today Lord fill us with your Holy Spirit whatever it is that would stand in the way from that may it be removed. Lord, just fill us with your Holy Spirit today. We give you these sacred moments in the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, we pray. Amen.